Welcome to the Relationship Church Podcast. We are living in a world with many distractions. Whether it's fear of missing out, tasks we need to accomplish, the well-being of our loved ones, so many things are vying for our attention. In today's message, Praying Productive Prayers, Ryan Neal shares what distracts us in prayer and how to maintain focus. We are going to go ahead and go right into the word. Go with me to the book of Mark, chapter number five. The book of Mark, chapter number five. Um, and as a title for today's message, and we, we've touched on this, we'll, of course, present it in a little different way than it was presented last time, but we've touched on this before. Um, I want to talk to you about um, something that will essentially provide the answer for anything that you're going through. Uh, in your life. Um, and so today's message, we got three P's, PPP. And I'm not talking about uh, the loans. Some That may have changed some people's life, uh, getting the PPP loans, but that's not what we're talking about today. Today, we're going to be talking about praying productive prayers, praying productive prayers. We're going to start reading with verse number 21. We're going to read down through um, and including verse 35. And it says, Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogues came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. Verse 24. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians, and she had spent all she had, and no one was able to make her better, but she grew, but rather she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But the disciples said to him, you see a multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? So the word throng, if you're not uh, familiar with this word, it means to uh, just imagine, imagine, especially in those days, and and even sometimes in our days, when you're talking about uh, pre-pandemic, especially, think about being at a really crowded festival. You know, you're at the Taste of St. Louis or something where people are almost just like shoulder to shoulder. And you know how it is. You try to keep from hitting against people or try to keep from touching other people that you don't know. But but there's so many people that it's like, you know, you're just bumping shoulders. Your shoulders are hitting and, you know, your arms are touching and all those kind of things. So that's what it means to throng. It's just like a bunch of people converging, so to speak. But somebody touched him that got his attention. Uh, and people were probably hitting him hard that's important to remember remember we'll talk about that in a little bit but people were probably hitting him harder she from what the scripture tells us just wanted to touch the hem just just tap it the hem of his garment and there were people that were hitting him harder but she touched him with a need and it says but the disciple said to him you see the multitude thronging you and you say who touched me verse 32 and he looked around to see her who had done this thing but the woman Fearing and trembling, knowing what had just happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. 
And he said to her, daughter, your faith, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I want to stop reading at verse 35. Uh, we're going to read verse 35, but this kind of goes back to the previous story. It says, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So we're going to talk today about how do I communicate with God? How do I communicate with God? And we're going to talk about the woman with the issue of blood, as well as Jairus, uh, who actually have something very unique in common. Um, how do I communicate with God? How do I pray productive prayers? Uh, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we have together. God, we ask you right now, Lord Jesus, to just come in and communicate, Lord, directly to us from your scripture. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Make our hearts ready to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, so what, what is the issue with prayer? You know, many of us know exactly what we need to do in order to get closer to God, but prayer just seems to be a difficult thing. We know that prayer or communication is the way uh, that we touch the Father or the way that we deepen our relationship with him. But prayer seems to be something uh, many times beyond our reach to really press in in prayer. Uh, but when you think about prayer in its simplest form, it's really just communicating with God. The scripture tells us that men are always pray and not faint, which means that there should be a constant communication uh, going on with the Lord throughout your day. But of course, there's also some times of extended communication. Um, those of you that may be married or maybe even have just a really close friend that you speak to on a daily basis, you know that there may be times throughout the day where you all shoot a text message back and forth. Uh, you know that there are some times where you have a quick phone call, but then there's also some times, whether it's in person or whether it's by phone or uh, or even maybe sometime through text, that there's an extended conversation where you're actually talking to the person about something. You're pouring your heart out or they're pouring their heart out or maybe, maybe not even that deep. It may just be an extended conversation where you're just kind of shooting the breeze, but you're having an extended conversation. And that's really the way that our uh, uh, relationship ought to be with God. We've got some times where we have some quick prayers. We, you know, sometimes there's prayers depending on something maybe going on. Your prayer may be as short as just calling his name and saying Jesus because you don't have time for a, 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 a long, a longer prayer at that particular time. It's just, you know, he kept you from the accident. And as you stop the car just short enough to keep the other car from hitting you, you just say Jesus. And the world says the S word or the words, the world says uh, uh, something else because because they're frustrated or, or angry, but we say Jesus, uh, and, and, and just the mention of his name is enough uh, that 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 is a prayer that is a communication with him it is a, uh, a a a realization or an admission of how much we need him in our everyday lives but why does it seem like especially when we're talking about longer prayer that it seems so difficult to really push in and there's several reasons uh, one of which is uh, what what I call spiritual uh, ADD spiritual ADD or distracted praying um, you know we we think about things, uh, that we're distracted doing. There's been a big push for years to get people to stop using their cell phones. And in a lot of states, it's, a, it's a, um, a, a, able to be cited just for having your cell phone up to your ear while you're driving or see it in your hands while you're driving. Uh, and the idea behind not being distracted while we're driving is that driving is so important uh, because lives are at stake. And so we don't want to be distracted while we're doing something that's important because lives are at stake, right? 
lives, the lives of the of the people in your car, your life, your your own life, the lives of the other people driving down the same road as you, the same highway as you, those lives are at stake. So when we drive, the idea is that we're not supposed to drive distracted. We're supposed to drive with our eyes on the road, paying attention to what's going on. Well, how much more uh, should we be careful not to be distracted while we're praying because our spiritual lives are at stake, the spiritual lives of those around us, the spiritual lives of our children, the spiritual lives of our, of our friends and our spouses and our parents, the spiritual lives of those that God has put around us that we ought to be praying for. And so we don't bash anybody because you pray distracted because it becomes something where it is only achieved through practice that you're able to pray and not be distracted. But you all know most of the time when you sit down to pray, the first thing that happens is you start thinking about all the things that you have to do. Same thing happens sometimes when you go to bed at night. I know people who have said they keep a pad of paper next to their bed because they know when they get ready to go to sleep, they're going to start remembering all the things that they forgot throughout the day. And when we're trying to quiet our mind to focus on the things of God, there's something about the brain that just has a tendency to try to uh, force us to focus or to move our attention to something else. Not only that, but of course, the the enemy, uh, unlike with something like going to sleep, in most cases, the enemy is trying to keep us from praying because he knows that that prayer is our our uh, direct connection to heaven. So he wants to do everything that he can uh, to keep us out of the presence of God. So that becomes another issue uh, that keeps us distracted. And before long, when you're praying distracted and then you're trying to pull yourself back to prayer and going back and forth, then you begin to feel like you're almost being beat up in prayer. Like it's just a, a war. You're not even in spiritual warfare yet. You're just in warfare against your mind, just trying to quiet your mind so that you can keep your eyes on Jesus. And the only thing that will do, that will keep you, if you're looking for the answer or how to overcome spiritual ADD, the only thing that will that will help you to overcome that is prayer practice. You, you, you're praying and, and you have another thought. And the only thing that is going to, that's going to stop that from happening eventually, or stop it from happening as much is you just got to acknowledge the thought and then go right back into prayer. It happens again, 15 seconds later, acknowledge the thought and go right back into prayer. Um, and that's what you really have to do to keep it from being uh, almost like a boxing game between you and your mind. But real prayer, uh, we need to have prayer that is not distracted if we really want to have time with God. I grew up thinking that, you know, the only way you could pray was kneeling down on your knees or down on your face, but it really doesn't matter your position of prayer. You can have a good prayer meeting laying right in the bed the first thing when you wake up in the morning. You know, I think one of the reasons that we get into sometimes uncomfortable positions while we pray is it may keep us from falling asleep. But past that, uh, there's nothing in the Bible that tells us that we have to pray any certain way or any, and in any certain position in order to be heard by God. So we want to make sure that first and foremost, in order to really push into prayer, we've got to get past distracted praying. The second reason that it is so difficult is because um, it, it sometimes prayer, if we're honest, we can, it can just feel a little awkward. They can feel a little awkward. Uh, have you ever been in an awkward conversation with someone before? You ask them a question and they don't really respond or say anything. You ask a question and they answer with four or five words. You tell a long story about something that happened to you and they just kind of nod their head or say a couple words and, and it just becomes awkward. 
no, nobody's filling in the, the pauses in conversation. It just feels like an awkward, a bunch of awkward pauses. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with quiet, but when you're having a conversation, you don't expect there to be so many long, awkward pauses. But when you're having an awkward conversation with somebody, that's what happens. It's even more difficult sometimes with God because, of course, many times when we especially first begin praying regularly, we don't feel like we hear the voice of God. Even sometimes after you've been praying for years and years and may have gotten your way up to praying an hour or two hours or more, uh, you, you still may feel sometimes that you don't necessarily hear God talking to you, at least not all the time. And so, Again, the only thing that, that fixes that awkwardness uh, that, that you feel there is to continue to pray. Uh, so it, it, it's just like with overcoming distracted praying. It just becomes the practice of doing it. And that's really the only way that you get better at prayer. The, the, um, we, we talked recently uh, in church and we talked on a regular basis about spiritual maturity. Uh, and God loves us and he wants us to grow. Just like we want our own children to grow and not to stay stagnant, whether it's in their mind, whether it's in their body, uh, growth is health, growth is maturity. And so praying and reading our Bibles are the most important tools when we're talking about growth. Let's go to a couple of scriptures here to talk about, uh, talk about that for a minute and talk about uh, what it means uh, to, uh, or, or some good examples rather with regards to prayer. The first one is in the book of Genesis chapter number 19 and verse 27. Um, and you don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. I'm reading it in the New Living Translation. It says, Abraham got up early that morning and hurried out to the place where he had stood in the Lord's presence. And, and that's important because a lot of times, uh, whether we realize it or not, it's important for us to have a specific time and a specific place where we pray. Sometimes it'll get us into uh, the certain mood, so to speak, of praying. And so it's so good for us to, um, uh, to set our focus, to have, again, it doesn't have to be, you know, sometimes you have a small house that ain't like you can just have one room dedicated to prayer, but you can always pray in that room, whether it's your bedroom or, you know, wherever it is, it just kind of brings your mind to a place of prayer. He says he got up early in the morning. Again, the Bible tells us to seek God early, and early in the morning is a great idea. Uh, but as far as we can tell, when that scripture talks in the book of Psalms about seeking him early, it's talking about seeking him early in the situation, early in what's going on, not necessarily just early in the morning. But the reason that early in the morning is a good idea, and again, I'm not advocating like, like with position that, that you have to do that in order for the Lord to hear your prayer. But the good thing about praying early in the situ in, in the morning, time-wise, is that your, your mind is more empty. You don't have the weight of the day on you. And so I know some people say, well, you know, I'm not an early bird. I like to stay up late and I like to pray at night. And that's fine. But, but giving the thought to the fact that, you know what, it may be a good idea to just wake up a little bit earlier than I was going to wake up in order to get some prayer time in, uh, just because of the simple fact that I want to seek and acknowledge God first thing in the morning. You can go and do your longer devotion later, but getting up just five or 10 minutes earlier than you normally would would to just give him uh, some time. Uh, the, the next scripture I want to read with regards to that is Daniel 6 and 10. And it says, but when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual, again, a regular thing, in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he always had done, giving thanks to his 
God. It says he prayed three times a day. He spent three times a day in focused prayer. Now you got to know that he was talking to God all throughout the day, like we said before, but three times a day, he made it his business uh, to, to spend some time praying and seeking the Lord. And sometimes I think that we forget that that's actually a really good idea to have separate times. Um, I, I remember I was talking to somebody and I was telling them, I said, you know, a lot of times I want to get up in the morning and pray and, you know, and, and then I just get so I, I'm so tired and I try to get up. And when I try to get up, I'm just, you know, uh, just so tired. I end up sleeping in and then I feel like I, I didn't get time for devotion. And, you know, I notice it because my day is not the same and on and on and on. And, and they said to me, they said, well, you know, why don't you make up your mind to get up early in the morning and just spend a few minutes in prayer and then do more devotion throughout the day, which is what Daniel did. No doubt he prayed in the morning, but then he prayed at noon or whatever time. And then he prayed in the evening. He prayed three times a day. And the law that they're talking about had, that had been signed, uh, it was a law that you could not no longer pray to God. But he made up his mind that he was going to pray, that he was going to press into the, uh, to the presence of God, whether it was against the law or not, because it was something he did regularly. He had a set place that he did it. And he did not allow even the changing of the law to change his decision to pray. How important is prayer that he knew that that would cause him uh, possibly death? But he said, you know what? I've made up my mind that no matter what, I'm still going to pray because that's the only thing that's keeping me alive. Last scripture is in Mark 1 and 35, and it's from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ himself. It says, before daybreak the next morning, which means before the sun even came up, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. So he made sure that he got time with God. He got to an isolated place. He got to a place uh, where nobody else was around so that he could have quiet time with God. What is quiet time? Quiet time is something that I'm sure you've heard of, but the working definition we'll use here is the daily time I set alone, set aside to be alone with God, to get to know him through Bible reading and prayer. The daily time I set aside to be alone with God, to get to know him through Bible reading and prayer. Uh, quiet time. We were created for relationship. We were created for relationship. It's where we receive our strength and direction and how we grow closer to God. Jesus gave us a model for prayer in the book of Luke chapter number 22, verses 42 through 44. And he says in verse 42, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He was going to the cross. He was in the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying. He said, Lord, take this away from me. Take this cup. That, that just means this, 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 um, this thing that that is coming, uh, that my, my future, what I'm seeing my future as, what I'm seeing uh, that I'm about to have to deal with. He says, I would that you take this cup away from me. If it's your will, just take it away from me. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Verse 33 says, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. So the answer to his prayer was not to, was not to release him from the future that he had to release him from this destiny, this thing uh, on the way to his destiny that he had to go through. But, but the angel came and not gave him the answer he wanted, but gave him the strength to go through what he had to go through. Verse 44 said, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. So now he's been strengthened, but instead of saying, okay, well, you didn't give me the strength and now I'm going to do it. He being in agony, prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So he's literally in 
agony. But, but his answer was not the answer that he wanted. His answer was strength. Likewise, when we're in prayer, if we're not careful, we'll get discouraged because we think that uh, answer to our prayer should be the answer that we prayed for. But, but the thing that I love about God or about Jesus that we see here is there's three things that we see happening here in this verse. And, and what it is, is prayer, it's doing something. It's changing, not him. I mean, I'm sorry, not his situation, not the situation of Jesus, but it's altering his mindset. Jesus himself, it's altering his mindset. It's not giving him what he asked for, but it's giving him the strength to go through it. So time with God in prayer drains me of my weakness and fills me with strength. Time with God in prayer drains me of my will and fills me with God's will. Time with God in prayer drains me of me and fills me with God, okay? So that is what prayer does. Uh, sometimes we'll get discouraged in prayer if we think that it's always gonna just answer, or that's the fourth reason whether that we'll get discouraged with prayer because we think that prayer is just going to answer our requests, just gonna give us what we want. Uh, but many times prayer simply gives us strength and then eventually it will change our mindset. Before I let you go, I wanna talk to you really quickly about studying the Bible because you really can't talk about prayer without talking about the scripture, without talking about the word of God, because the scripture even tells us we know not to what to pray as we ought, but the spirit maketh intercession. How does it do that? The spirit, the Bible, the Bible tells us that Jesus told the disciples, he said, the words that I speak to you are our spirit and life. So the word of God is what we pray. The only way that we really even know how to pray is by reading the word of God. Just like if you're taking a course, you don't know what to what the test is going to be like unless you read the material that is in uh, the, the thing. You don't just go into class and take the test. You have to read. You have to study. And that's what we do with the word of God. We pray what we have learned from the scripture. So in going into our quiet time with God, going into prayer with God, uh, there's a few things that we usually want to bring. We want to bring an ink pen or a pencil, something to uh, obviously to write with, a notebook, something to write on. And we should really have some kind of plan. It doesn't have to be a Bible in a year or a Bible in three years. You can just make up your mind, you know what, I'm going to study on a particular topic, a topical study. I want to study hope. I want to study faith. I want to study prayer. I want to study love and, and have that in mind. Or it could be something like, you know, I want to study the first and second Peter. I want to study first, first, second, and third John. I want to study all of the writings of John or all the writings of Paul or the book of Ephesians. Uh, but having some kind of plan will get you so much further than just opening your Bible and kind of saying, well, I guess I'll read here. Uh, find something that you're interested in or that you want to read about and make up your mind uh, to read and pray on that subject. Now, there's a church in Hawaii, and we I gave you guys this uh, years ago, uh, but I, I saw it when I was preparing for today. Um, and there's an acronym that they use that I like, and it's, it's called SOAP, S-O-A-P. S-O-A-P. Um, and the, the S in SOAP, it's a, it's a plan on how to study the Bible. The S in SOAP, in SOAP, not scope, the S in SOAP stands for scripture. So the first thing you do when you're looking at especially a smaller passage of scripture, you want to write it down, write it down. I can't tell you how much that helps to write it down. I know you're reading it. I know you're looking right at it, but, but take your ink pen, take your paper that we talked about and write it down. The O in SOAP stands for observation. What did you notice about the scripture? 
Doesn't have to be deep, just, you know, anything that kind of stands out for you. Looking back at the scripture from today, one of the things that we notice is that there is a man named Jarius who has a sick daughter and his daughter is sick and he's asking for Jesus to come and pray for his daughter. And then what else do we uh, observe in that scripture? We observe that all of a sudden she wasn't even trying to do it. She wasn't looking for no press. She was trying to just press her way uh, to the hem of Jesus's garment. And while that whole thing is going on, we notice that the, the son or the daughter rather of Jairus dies while that is going on. And, and so those are the kind of observations that we're talking about. But then we do an application. What is the application? How does this apply to my life? What are you doing? What are you going to do with the information that you just read? Well, looking at our scripture from today, it's talking about prayer. It's talking about how there were two people here because Jesus was here on earth. He was limited by his bodily form. He's not limited in that way now because we have the Holy Spirit. But what, how do we apply the scripture from today to our life? Well, there were a couple people here that needed something from God. And not only did they need something from God, but both of them needed something from God that, that really seemed to be impossible. One of them was impossible because before Jesus could even get going or get the rest of the way to Jairus's house, his daughter died while he's sitting here talking to this other woman whose situation seemed impossible, not because someone was dead, but it seemed impossible because she had been to every doctor that she could find. She had went to every physician, and the Bible says that not only did her problem not get any better with the medicine or whatever it was that they were giving her, but it actually got worse. So she had an issue of blood for so many years that her situation seemed impossible. And Jarius's daughter had went from being sick where we thought she might be able to receive some help to actually dying. And so what is the application then there? The application there is that no matter how bad your situation looks, whether it's because it just seems like everything crashed and burned or whether it's like that because it seems like you've just been waiting so long and nothing's gotten better, it's just getting worse, just know that, that God is still faithful who promised. So the dead situation, he can raise it up just like he did Jarius's daughter. And the one uh, on, on the other hand, whatever it is, however long you've been going through it, no matter how long you felt like you were hopeless, no matter how long you felt like God was not going to move on your behalf in that particular area of your life. Yes, you're blessed, but you still feel some 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 stressors there because there's a large part of there's something uh, that, that is bothering you in your life. And God is showing us in this scripture, the application of soap, he's showing us in the application to this scripture that it doesn't matter what the situation looks like. I'm faithful. I promise I'll do just what I said. But you can't be like the people that were thronging him because the people that were thronging him, they were touching him, but they weren't getting in touch with him. And, and, and we talked about that because when you're talking about distracted praying, that's what happens. If you just give up in prayer, it's like the people in the crowd that were thronging Jesus, but there's only two people here that got his attention. Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood. The woman that dealt with the issue of blood for so long in her life that the Bible does not even give her a name. It just refers to her by what she was going through, refers to her by what was going on in her life. But I don't care how long you've been going through something. I don't care how dead the situation seems. God said, I am able to provide healing for you. I'm able to provide wholeness for you. You just got to make sure that you get his attention. How do we get his attention? We get his attention through focused prayer. 
How do we get his attention? We get his attention through regular prayer. How do we get his attention? We get his attention through getting in touch with him without all the distractions around us, going to a private place, a place of isolation like Jesus did, and knowing that God will answer. So we go from information to transformation. Yes, we know, um, we, we, we take the information and that's the part of the application. We take the information that we see. We see a woman with the issue of blood. Seems like she's cutting in line. We see a man with an ailing, with an ailing daughter that looks like she's about to die and eventually that she does. And we take that information and we apply it to our lives and say, God can change anything that is going on in my life. So now I take the information, apply it to my life and that information becomes transformation because now, I have the strength and the faith to believe that if God did it then, he can do it even more so now. If Jesus did it in his limited state and still took care of everything that needed to be taken care of, then God can do it for me now because I've got the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And now that information that I have becomes transformation for me as I apply it to my life. And then the last thing you do, the P in SOAP stands for your response. It's your response to what you read. You begin to pray about that thing. Lord, I just ask that you help me to have the kind of faith that the woman said, if I can just touch, if I can just get the right touch with Jesus, then I can be made whole. God, I know that if you raised his daughter from the dead, Lord, I know if you raised Lazarus from the dead, then God, I know that you can work on this situation that I have here. God, it seems impossible. God, I don't know how I'm going to make it. God, I don't know how I'm going to make all the pieces fit together. I don't even feel like I have all the pieces to the puzzle. I don't know how I'm going to be successful. I don't know how I'm going to pass the test. I don't know how these things are going to work together for my good, but God, I believe you. God, I trust you. God, I need you. The disciples never once asked Jesus how to do miracles, never asked him how to cast out demons, but they said, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray, not how to witness. Teach us how to pray because they understood that the source of the power that Jesus had happened in prayer. The source of the transformation that people got in their life happened in prayer. So how do I get my prayers answered? I continue to pray. I continue to push myself into prayer. I don't allow anyone to make me feel like praying is a waste of my time. I don't let anyone allow me to feel as though... Um, as though prayer is not working for me, but no, I take and make up my mind that I am going to pray, that I am going to push into the face of God, that I'm going to give my time, that I'm going to stand on God's word, and I'm going to pray until he changes me or until he changes something around me. Um, that, that, is, that is our message today. I pray that you got something out of that. Uh, but 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 to pray productive prayers, we've got to just get rid of that distracted that distraction uh, that is around us. We got to understand that it's so easy to be distracted, but we got to have some quiet time with God. We got to have some isolation with God. Uh, we got to get past the awkwardness sometimes that we feel in the presence of God and just begin to pray and pray. And when you get tired of praying, just continue to pray and just know within yourself that if you continue to pray, he continues to listen. And it may take a long time, but God said, just like with the woman with the issue of blood, you know, hopefully it won't take you that long. You know, there's some things in our lives that many of us have already been dealing with that long. There's things that people, that some of us have been praying about for years, trying to fix for years. But but the important thing is that we have to make sure that we don't give up. 
We talked about Joseph a few weeks ago and look at all the things that Joseph went through. But something on the inside of Joseph still said, I got a dream. There's something inside of me that has not yet been fulfilled. And even though I get discouraged, even though I want to cry sometime, even though I want to just give up and say, forget it, I'm no longer going to operate in excellence. I'm not going to do my best. I'm just going to stay in bed as much as I can. I'm just going to be depressed. There's something on the inside of you that knows that God created you for more. And so you just got to keep pushing. You got to keep pressing. You got to keep praying because the way that your life has been does not have to be indicative of the way that your life will be. Amen. Amen. So we just stay in the face of the Lord. We just continue to pray and everything will be all right. God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time together, Lord God. We thank you, Father, for uh, the reminder, Lord, of how important prayer is. God, help us, oh Jesus, put a fire of prayer within us, Lord Jesus, and help us, oh God, as this message be a catalyst, oh God, to give us the grace to pray. Give us the grace, oh God, to seek you again, to seek your face again, to seek you stronger, to seek you more. And God, I just thank you right now for everyone under the sound of my voice, Lord Jesus. You know the quiet request of their heart. Sometimes, Lord Jesus, request that they're ashamed to even speak out loud to those around them, Lord Jesus. But you see, you know what's going on. And God, I ask you right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you just touch, heal, deliver, set free, Lord God. Lord God, just lift burdens in the name of Jesus. Help us, oh God, to have joy today, Lord God, because we just know it's possible. God, we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it yet. Lord, we don't necessarily even know when it's going to happen, oh God, but you've rejuvenated us enough today to at least know that it's possible. So now, Lord, we'll just change the way that we wait. We'll wait in eager expectation. God, we'll work in eager expectation, knowing, Lord Jesus, that you are able to put your holy with our ordinary and it becomes extraordinary. It becomes extraordinary. It becomes more than enough. You take us, oh God, from, from being defeated to being not just conquerors, but you said more than a conqueror because everything with you, Father, always becomes more. Every negative thing is turned around and every good thing becomes better. And God, we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. We pray that today's message has been a blessing and makes an eternal impact on your life. Come join us live on Sunday at 1245 p.m. Central Time. If you're in the St. Louis metro area, we meet at 1060 Chambers Road, a little over a mile south on Bell Fountain Road from Highway 270. You can also join us via Zoom. The login number is 314-720-8880. You can call that same number to reach someone on our ministry team or text the word connect there to be in the know regarding upcoming events. Again, that number is 314-720-8880. We are Relationship Church. Come grow with us.